1972, Joey Gallo killed in Little Italy during dinner at Umberto's Clam House. They get there by violence, and often as not, they leave by violence. Between three and five million dollars in cash and valuables was taken from the Lufthansa cargo terminal out at Kennedy Airport. I can give you guys a half a million dollars a year without a problem. New York City is a war zone for mobsters and their targets. Hello everyone and welcome into episode 45 of The Black Hand, an organized crime history podcast. I'm your host, Bliss Grieve, and on today's show, we're going to be talking about the Pizza Connection, one of the biggest drug trafficking rings to ever hit the US, but it would really touch almost every part of the globe. It would see Asian morphine processed into heroin in Italian labs by French scientists before being smuggled into the US, while Colombian cocaine was also brought in as part of the connection. And in the end, it would result in around 1,600 pounds of heroin being shipped into the U.S. in just a five-year period worth nearly $2 billion, supplying nearly the entire Northeast U.S. heroin market in the process. Before we get started, if you want to support the show, please rate it and go follow the show's Instagram and Twitter pages at the Black Hand Pod, and please feel free to reach out. Also, consider giving a little bit to the show's Venmo at the Black Hand Pod as well. The link's in the description. But without further ado, let's get right into today's episode. To start, what a lot of people don't know about the Pizza Connection is that it was really only made possible by the downfall of another massive mafia drug trafficking co-op. Because the Sicilian connection that made the new smuggling ring possible was a successor to the French Connection the post-war heroin pipeline from Marseille, France, that at its peak in 1971 was pouring an estimated 10 tons of heroin into the United States every year. It had really sprouted from World War II, which resulted in reduced commercial shipping and heightened border security, which had also wiped out the smuggling of heroin into the United States. And for the first time this century, the population of addicts in the U.S. had been reduced to a manageable amount. But after the war, the Corsicans in France and the Mafia in Sicily resumed their supply lines. The Corsicans had two major advantages. One was their connections to the Golden Triangle drug cultivation region in Southeast Asia. And the other was their influence in the French Secret Service through the Corsicans' involvement in official anti-communist actions. The smuggling ring eventually became so big that those involved included a commission of Sicilian mob families, the Bonanno and Lucchese families in New York, as well as the Catroni crime family in Canada. But in 1969, President Richard Nixon decided to get serious about drug trafficking and earmarked significant budget allocations to fight the smuggling. And by the time the 1970s came around, the French, American, and Turkish governments really started doubling down on efforts to dismantle the trafficking network. And after 1972, growing American law enforcement pressure took a toll on French connection traffickers as French sources of heroin base and laboratories dried up. But it wouldn't take long for the Sicilian Mafia to fill the vacuum. In the mid-1970s, one of the Mafia's most lucrative rackets was the smuggling of untaxed cigarettes into Italy. Initially, loads of 500 cases of cigarettes were considered substantial, but at its height, the racket dealt in shiploads of up to 40,000 cases. But before long, growing pressure by the Italian Treasury Police had taken much of the profit out of the racket. However, before they knew it, there was a far more lucrative business opportunity tailor-made for organizations that had these already built-in smuggling routes. And in the wake of the dismantling of the French Connection smuggling ring, several Sicilian Mafia leaders set up heroin trafficking operations across Italy. 
But as well as refining the heroin, they wanted to control the distribution, and that's what would bring Carmine Galanti into the fold, a mobster who was no stranger to drug trafficking. In fact, he was one of the key elements that drove the success of the French Connection, after being sent to Canada by Joe Bonanno to organize a heroin pipeline, one that involved smugglers delivering large amounts of heroin originating in Italy from Montreal to contacts in New York and New Jersey for each of the five families. But with his incredibly lucrative drug empire on the rise, Galanti wanted more muscle around him, thus beginning his mass importation of Sicilian mobsters, or Zips, to Canada and the United States. And the so-called Zips that Galanti began funneling back to the United States would be a vital link in the chain connecting the importation and distribution of heroin on the eastern seaboard in the years to come. They even became so plentiful in the United States that they really started to make up an entirely new faction within the Bonanno family and started to take up operations in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and neighborhoods in Queens including Ridgewood, Glendale, Middle Village, and Masbeth. And by the late 1960s, a powerful Sicilian-born capo named Salvatore Catalano controlled the Sicilian faction and ran the family heroin racket with Carmine Galanti. But it was really Galanti's death that would give way to the rise of the Pizza Connection. After being paroled from prison in 1974, following a 12-year narcotic sentence, Galanti proclaimed himself boss of the Bonanno family. Mind you, this was just shortly after a former Bonanno capo named Philip Rusty Rustelli had been named the official boss of the family by the commission in the wake of Natalie Evola's death. And by the late 1970s, Galanti, who had been dismissive of the Bonanno's officially appointed boss, sought complete control of the heroin trade but the commission had seen enough by this point and put his hit in motion. And on July 12, 1979, after Galanti finished lunch at Joe and Mary's Italian restaurant, he was gunned down on the rear terrace while his Sicilian bodyguards, Baldassare Amato and Cesar Bonventre, escaped unharmed. And though the Galanti hit did get the former heavyweight off the commission's back, it led to the rise of the Bonanno family's Sicilian faction as its own group, loyal only to the Sicilian Mafia. Salvatore Catalano also benefited from the murder, gaining full control of the Zips' leadership. Deepening the faction's connections to the old country, Catalano fled to Italy the day after Galanti's murder, putting him in direct contact with leadership in the Sicilian Mafia. But there was still one missing piece to the puzzle that would become integral to the formation of this massive smuggling ring. After all, the Sicilian connection needed a connect, and his name was Gaetano Badalamenti. Born on September 14, 1923, in Senisi, Sicily, Gaetano jumped into the streets pretty heavily in his mid-twenties, being named in an arrest warrant in 1946 on charges of conspiracy and kidnapping. Then, in 1947, he was charged with murder as well, and he fled to the U.S. before being arrested there in 1950 and deported back to Italy. But it was in the following year that Badalamenti made his first major leap into the world of drug trafficking. And in 1951, American police identified a 50-kilo shipment of heroin destined for Gaetano, who was then living in Detroit as an illegal immigrant. However, in the 1950s, most money was made by smuggling foreign cigarettes into Italy, and in 1953, he was arrested for cigarette smuggling for the first time. He was arrested again in 1957 when he was caught with 3,000 kilos of foreign-made cigarettes. But it was in 1963 that he became boss of the Mafia clan in his hometown of Senisi, Sicily, after a bomb killed his predecessor, Caesar Manzella, during Italy's first Mafia war. Though, the war would have another unintended consequence. Because as the repression caused by the Ciculli Massacre in 1963 disrupted the Sicilian heroin trade to the United States, mobsters were banned, arrested, or extradited. 
and control of the trade fell to the hands of a few high-level Sicilian mobsters, including Salvatore Greco, Pietro Davi, Tommaso Buscetta, and of course, Gaetano Badalamenti. It consisted of ten members, but was initially ruled as a triumvirate, consisting of Badalamenti, Stefano Bontate of the Santa Maria di Gesù family in Palermo, and Luciano Leggio of the Corleonesi clan. And in 1974, the full commission was reconstituted under the leadership of Badalamenti, giving him the juice to really jumpstart his international drug trafficking pipeline. His idea was to distribute the drugs through East Coast and Midwestern pizzeria storefronts in the U.S. that would receive raw materials directly from Italy. Heroin would be hidden in pizza ingredients like olive oil cans, San Marzano tomatoes, and cheese before being packaged and sent to the U.S. pizzerias in New York, New Jersey, and Chicago, which would become the largest heroin distribution centers in America. And unbeknownst to the wider public, they already had their perfect distribution network in place. Because in the late 1960s, a hundred Sicilians, unknown to the FBI, had arrived in the U.S. to open their pizzerias all over the country, especially on the East Coast. And by the mid-1970s, the new network was already in full swing. The scheme involved purchasing morphine base from suppliers in Turkey, processing it into heroin in Sicily, smuggling it into the U.S., and then selling it through pizza shops and other mafia-run businesses stretching from New York to Illinois and Wisconsin. Cocaine was also being imported from Colombia as part of the operation, while Bonanno family capo Salvatore Catalano acted as Badalamenti's primary liaison for importing and distributing the drugs in the U.S. But it wasn't long after his new pipeline was in full swing that Badalamenti would run into some problems. And in January 1978, the old and ailing head of the Sicilian Commission, Salvatore Greco, went all the way to Italy from Venezuela to restrain Badalamenti and other Sicilian mobsters from retaliating against the growing power of the Corleonesi Mafia clan. Badalamenti wanted to kill the boss of the Vallaluga family in Caltanissetta, Sicily, named Francesco Madonia, who was an ally of the Corleonesi. Greco tried to convince them not to go ahead with the hit and even offered Giuseppe Di Cristina the chance to immigrate to Venezuela. Nevertheless, Badalamenti and Di Cristina decided to go ahead with the murder and on April 8, 1978, Francesco Madonia was taken out. And in retaliation, in just a four-month period in 1978, both Di Cristina and Giuseppe Calderon were both killed. Later in that same year, Badalamenti was expelled from the Sicilian Commission and Michele Greco replaced him. But he really retained most of his power within the Sinisi Mafia clan as he was replaced by his cousin Antonio Badalamenti. Regardless, he fled to Brazil through Spain and settled in Sao Paulo. And despite any problems caused by the hit, Badalamenti was still head of an incredibly lucrative drug smuggling ring one that by 1982 was supplying up to 80% of the heroin in the northeast United States. The morphine for the drug was purchased in Asia, then refined in Sicily, at which point it was distributed to the U.S., and everyone that this racket touched became incredibly rich. One mobster was Frank Polizzi, who was involved with running Pizza Connection heroin and cocaine distribution and transportation operations. And it was likely that the profits his slice of the pie brought into the DeCalvacanti family played a role in Polizzi being made a capo in the early 1980s. Another huge success that came from the Pizza Connection was the story of the Cherry Hill Gambinos. Three brothers named John, Rosario, and Giuseppe Gambino ran the group, and their crew essentially made up the Sicilian wing of the Gambino family. 
and as a result of their close ties to Sicily, Palermo bosses like Stefano Bontate and Salvatore Zarillo supplied the Gambino family with heroin for 50 grand a kilo, while the Gambinos resold it for $130,000 a key. And most of this heroin ended up in the hands of the Cherry Hill Gambinos, who smuggled an estimated $600 million worth of heroin into the U.S. every year. And for the most part, if you were a mobster in New York, New Jersey, or Philadelphia selling heroin from 1975 to 85, there's a good chance that it was brought in through the Pizza Connection. But it couldn't last forever, and just like the heroin, the dismantling of the drug ring would come from Italy specifically from the hand of Judge Giovanni Falcone and mobsters who had decided to become informants. Internal wars in the Sicilian Mafia had broke out at the beginning of the 1980s, led by Toto Rina, leader of the Corleonesi, who got rid of the Montate and Inzerillo leaderships and took over the whole business. But their savage attitude also led some mobsters to break their oath of secrecy to get state protection. It wasn't always that simple though, as one of these informants, named Salvatore Contorno, had 35 relatives killed by Toto Rina before the process was over. Another key player in the takedown was Tommaso Buscetta, one of the most important mob turncoats of all time, as he put Judge Falcone on the trail of the Pizza Connection structure. For their part, the United States wasn't sitting idly by, and an FBI agent named Joe Pistone, known to the FBI as Donnie Brasco, had obtained some useful information while infiltrating the Bonanno family from 1976 to 81. And the cooperation between Falcone and the FBI was one of the first international judicial collaborations, adding another level to what would become a remarkable success. Eventually, the investigation into the Pizza Connection became a massive multinational, multi-agency effort, with key contributions coming from the NYPD, DEA, U.S. Customs, and international authorities in Italy, Spain, Switzerland, Turkey, Brazil, Canada, Great Britain, and Mexico. And the investigation really pulled out all the stops. Physical surveillance was established, overseeing Salvatore Catalano's base of operations, while public phones were tapped to try and catch the Sicilians talking about heroin. Pen registers were also utilized, electronic devices recording all numbers dialed from a particular phone line. The daily results were collected and analyzed, linking other members of the enterprise. The evidence seized and resulting intelligence work by the DEA and NYPD, which included written contacts from the pockets of arrested mobsters, indicated that Salvatore Catalano's crew had major involvement in some of the world's largest heroin seizures. And it was only through rigorous investigation that the true international scope of the Pizza Connection was revealed. In just a five-year period from 1979 to 84, 1,650 pounds of heroin was smuggled into the U.S. with an estimated street value of $1.7 billion. Everything from pizza parlors, drugs and cash made their way back to New York via cars and buses, the drugs for further distribution, and the cash for overseas shipment. An eight-year period saw $60 million in small denomination bills smuggled or transferred from New York to Switzerland, Italy, and Turkey. The Pizza Connection saw money sent from the U.S. by cash transfers, wire transfers, and through brokerage accounts to business fronts operated by Sicilian mobsters overseas. Several transfers were even made by Swiss Air in suitcases of cash left with the Swiss Air station manager. But all the work to uncover this came to fruition in the mid-80s when wiretaps from public phones in Queens led to Gaetano Badalamenti in Brazil. The Sicilian boss oversaw the pizza connection while in exile, including shipments of cocaine. But by the time they got there, he was gone. 
Regardless, everything was about to come crashing down for him and the rest of the smuggling ring. For more than four years, the FBI and its partners had compiled a mountain of records and evidence in order to build the case. And in the end, on April 9, 1984, countless federal agents raided homes and pizzerias across the United States. They found guns, ammunition, and plenty of cash. And in the days that followed, there were more arrested. One of the most notorious, however, took place in Madrid. The boss, Gaetano Badalamenti, whose whereabouts were unknown, was arrested by Spanish authorities at the request of the FBI when he was leaving an apartment in the Spanish capital where he was spending a few days with family. He was caught along with his nephew, Pietro Alfano, who was in charge of the Pizza Connection's Midwest operations, and his son, Vito Badalamenti. Salvatore Catalano was also arrested in his Queen's Bakery. In all, agents from four U.S. agencies and seven international countries conducted coordinated arrests, resulting in 30 arrests in New York City alone. And while the investigation leading to the arrests had been exhausting, no one thought that the Pizza Connection case would result in one of the longest criminal trials in U.S. history. It was also extremely expensive to boot. To start, for about a year, the prosecution gathered hundreds of witnesses, wiretaps, and thousands of documents, which alone cost several million dollars to complete. The prosecution team also initially estimated that the trial would only last six to seven months, but it ended up lasting almost a year and a half. The result was a staggering legal circus with 35 initial defendants and an estimated cost of $50 million. The Pizza Connection trial actually started on September 30, 1985, with 22 defendants, and the sheer volume of evidence was extraordinary. Evidence from 55,000 wiretaps was introduced, with the supported surveillance testimony from numerous U.S. surveillance agents, as well as Italian and Spanish officers. According to the Los Angeles Times, there was latent fingerprint evidence recovered from drug transactions and seizures by the DEA, and in the end, the government called a total of 300 witnesses. But violence engulfed the trial almost from the start. It started in October 1985, when a civil crime war broke out in Sicily against Badalamenti's associates, which put the boss and his cohorts in danger, even in New York City. In December 1986, a defendant in the case named Gaetano Mazzara, who was a made man and supplied Pizza Connection heroin, was found wrapped inside a plastic garbage bag dumped on a Brooklyn street after being missing for a little over a week. Then on February 11, 1987, Pietro Alfano, Gaetano Badalamenti's nephew and head of the Connection's Midwest operations, was shot several times in an attempted hit in Greenwich Village. It wasn't until a little less than a month after the attempted hit that the case would finally start to see some results. And on March 2nd, 1987, two of the 22 men pleaded guilty to lesser currency violations, while 18 of the 19 remaining defendants were convicted of running an international drug ring. Vito Badalamenti was the only defendant to be acquitted, and the sentences for those remaining were handed down by the judge on June 22nd, 1987. Five of the defendants, including Gaetano Badalamenti and Salvatore Catalano, were sentenced to 45 years in prison, while the other 13 defendants faced maximum sentences of between 15 and 40 years in prison for their convictions on charges of participating in the drug conspiracy. But that's really all I have for you guys today. I hope you all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, and tune back in next week for episode 46. If you enjoyed today's show, please give it a rating, and follow the show's Instagram and Twitter pages at The Black Hand Pod. And please feel free to reach out with feedback, suggestions, and comments. Also, please consider giving a little bit to the show's Venmo at The Black Hand Pod as well.
But with that said, I hope you all have a great rest of your day. This is your host, Blitz Creed, signing out.